us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Step Right with Lynn this morning. I'm so pleased to have you with us. Today we're going to talk about a spring subject, finally. Uh, And before we get to that, um, I'd like to tell you a little bit about um, the purpose of the show and what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, One thing is um, that I like to do is to give people and organizations the opportunity to tell about the contributions that they're making in our communities. If you know someone or an organization um, that's making a contribution, I'd be pleased if you brought their work to my attention. There's so many great stories out there. Um, that I would love to share uh, with you. Um, Next, uh, we share traditional money management practices um, that we can all benefit from. And I'm pleased to have um, had on many professionals on the show that have brought us a lot of great um, money management techniques as well. Um, The next goal um, of the show... The next goal of the show is to assist you in your planning. Um, And you know that I advocate for planning for everything, Uh, major purchases, vacations, children's education, retirement, or your charitable giving, perhaps even a gift in your will, uh, that legacy that you may uh, wish to leave. So um, remember that we're always here to help, um, and I think that we'll, um, I'll introduce our guest um, at this point because I think... um, She's here now, um, but perhaps not. Um, we'll just um, just chat a little bit longer here. <laughs> Hi, Carol. Have we have we got her? Or I think yes, so. I'm, 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 I think I'm here. <laughs> okay. Hi, Marjorie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to introduce you now. Okay. Uh, My guest is best-selling author, gardening columnist, and consultant, Marjorie Harris. Uh, Marjorie shares the best money-saving techniques for creating a beautiful garden in any space. The highly anticipated sequel to her popular book, Thrifty, Living the Frugal Life with Style, is Thrifty Gardening, and married Marjorie's passion for horticulture with her frugal lifestyle savvy so that everyone can create a natural oasis, whatever their living situation is, and without breaking the bank. Marjorie lives in Toronto with her husband, writer Jack Batten. Marjorie is Canada's best-known gardener. She's the national gardening columnist for the Globe and Mail. She's the author of 15 books. She has written articles published in scads of well-known magazines. She is a much-in-demand speaker, and we're thrilled to have her here with us today. Welcome, Marjorie. Hello, how are you? I just got in from slugging around in the mud. Did you? Oh, you've been out. Yes. You've been out digging oh, today. Absolutely. Uh, I live on a floodplain, which of course ah. is a totally insane place to put a, a house. But they didn't know that in 1904 when they built all these houses. Right. And we have a flood every spring, and every spring we're always surprised. But I have something, and they're working. 
So I'm ready uh, for anything right now. Yeah, I, I think we um, we live on the edge of the swamp, so I think we have a lot in common already. <laughs> Oh, you do, you do. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. But yes, it's mud season. Mud season has started. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the sun in Toronto today? Yes, it was lovely this morning, but it's it's, it's starting to bloom up, and it looks like it's going to rain. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's looking like here too. I didn't actually see the sun this morning, even so. It's been it's been pretty cloudy, and I think they promised us sun. That's why I'm especially disappointed. Well, the sunny is warm, and what's really wonderful about this is that everything looks like looks just terrible right now, but mm-hmm. everything is poking up the 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 from the the soil, and I I never clean up my leaves, and I and I know that in a couple of weeks. The worms will have pulled them all on the ground. Everything will look gorgeous. And everything mm-hmm. will be covered with skilla and various other lovely little um, spring bulbs. But this particular day, this particular weekend, <laughs> it looks horrible. Right, right. Well, a lot of us are, are very anxious to get out in our gardens. And if you were out there in the mud today, um, you're obviously very uh, anxious to get out there too. Um, are you finding that the frost is out of the ground even? No, not at all. I've never seen frost no. that's gone that deeply into the ground. And I've talked to a lot of the contractors and people who work in this business, and they're finding the same thing. It's just incredible how much, how deep it went this last winter. The, you know, the yeah. winter that never seems to end. And yeah. so you've got to be very, very careful. Don't rush things too much. And whatever you do, don't start raking up the leaves and doing anything like that. I always okay. advise people just to make things look neat, you know, uncover paths, um, certainly cut back uh, grasses at this point. That would be quite safe. Okay. And um, just just make things look tidy and not get too sort of housewifey about it at all. Okay. Yeah, we get we get pretty anxious um, be, because of the way you know it it just doesn't look the, the nicest, and we're anxious to get in, get out there, and get things prepared. So what else can we do at, at this point? Is there some planning that we can do at this point? Well, what? Absolutely. I mean, this this is the perfect time to look around the garden and see where all the cold spots in your garden are. The last bits of, of, of ice and snow to go. You know that those are the coldest areas of your garden, and they're going okay. to be slightly different microclimate than, say, a, a, a south-facing fence. Uh, it's all nice and warmed up and it's got snowdrops and whatnot all over it. So if you keep that in mind when you're making plans, and if you've got ideas for garden, for, for how to fix up the garden right now, um, this is a good time to be thinking about it. Take some photographs of the garden right now and print them out in black and white, you know, just throw them through the copier. And yeah. have a look at that and see where all the visual holes might be. I mean, you can, you can tell from looking at a photograph at this time of year whether you've got enough evergreens in your garden, for instance. Mm. Uh, we don't. We know that in the middle of the winter we love evergreens, and in the summertime we don't think about them. But if right. you look right now and you don't see a pattern of evergreens going through your garden, that's something to put on the top of your list. The okay. other thing is to look at look at where you've got grasses. Uh, ornamental grasses are very, very useful, and, and and they can be a blessing or they can be just awful. You can have too many and it looks like a hayfield. 
Mm. Or you can have not not quite enough, and it just and they just sort of look stranded. Um, I've got uh. one fairly large um, uh, uh, grass. I've forgotten what it is, but it's a huge thing, and right now it's looking like a tent, a nice, a nice hideous brown tent. And I thought, wow, if I if I had another grass in front of it that was either uh. blue or a color. How gorgeous would that look at this time of year? So ah. that would that would be putting I would put that on my list uh, of plants to get. You can also see pretty well where what you should be cutting back. You know, if you if you if you've got perennials, look at the base and don't start cutting back until you see new growth, because oh. they still need that oh. protect they need that mm-hmm. protect, protection from wind and from um, you know and from we're going to have another snow. We know that. It always snows on April 23rd, I swear. And, uh, you know, and most of the plants will be able to cope with, with anything that comes up, uh, okay. you know, from now on, as long as they're protected. And in a few weeks, you can start putting uh, compost on, on top of the leaves, almost gone, again, to protect the soil and, and so that it won't get um, bleach. It, it won't get burned by the sun. When, when there when there are no leaves on the ground, that's a lot of sun beating down there. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of what else I'd be doing at this. Well, mostly edging, edging and making things look neat. Yeah. It sort it sort yeah. of gives you it gives you a good feeling. Yeah, it makes so, you feel good, even if the plants don't care. So when you're talking about the perennials, like some of those perennials with, um, you know, that had real tall stems, I cut them down in the fall. Should I not have done that, or is it okay as long as I left? You were talking about the protection of those, um, the protection that the old growth was giving to the to the new growth. Did we lose you, Marjorie? Sorry. I think we are we having a little bit of technical difficulty there, Marjorie. <laughs> we seem yeah. to be having a bit of technical difficulty here. Yeah, just just lost you there for for a bit. Um oh, okay. So I was asking you about the old growth from the perennials. Yeah, I tend not to cut my things back in fall. And okay. because I like to have a look at them in the uh, winter time, I like the shadows on snow, and I mm-hmm. tend to do you know in spring, of course, I say, "Oh, why didn't I cut all this stuff back?" <laughs> but it's also there's a lot of fodder out there for the animals and for birds, and uh, I I don't like to disturb that ecological balance, so right. I I have a tendency to wait until spring to to cut stuff back. Okay, okay. Um... Now you're going to you're going to tell us um we're going to talk about you know where people maybe spend money that they shouldn't spend and, and maybe even places where people may cut corners where they'd be better to have spent the money there. So um I'm just going to open it up and let you you know tell us what are some of the things that that you say that you see where we could be doing a better uh, a better job. Where I see people cutting corners, and it really makes me mad, is in in the quality of soil they use. Um, uh, If people are making new beds, they have a tendency to go out and buy bags and so-called magic magic bat, you know, forget Mm -hmm. it. 
You've got to find some place that has, um, if you're going to replace the soil or if you must replace soil, find somebody who's got a beautiful black loam with some, uh, with, with, I mean, if if it's drainage that is your problem, maybe it has a little bit of sand in it and certainly some compost. But don't get all involved with having triple mix and all of these expensive things. It's a waste of money. And the important thing is to make sure that the drainage is good. Now, you, you can check this by just pouring buckets of water and timing it. And if the drainage is lousy, it probably means you've got, um, Clay soil, so uh, you know, soil okay. sand does help, but it's not going to change the soil profile. Well, the the thing that's going to make the the best difference uh, is, is adding a lot of compost, and either make it yourself or go someplace that's got a reliable source of, of compost. I go okay. to a duck farm, and I love duck compost. Oh boy, oh. it's like the magic bullet. It's just really? extraordinary. Yep, it's not cheap, but it's worth it. Now, I, I, because I've been doing uh, a lot of gardens in my neighborhood, I've, I've been able to watch to to uh, see to really test this. For instance, in one garden, uh, it was completely destroyed by uh, 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 it's. From... We're we're having a little bit of technical difficulty again. Where. Um... We've just lost her. She's going to have to call back in as soon as possible. I hope. Okay. okay. <laughs> let's go. To, let's go to break, Lynn. Okay. Sure. Okay. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Step Right with Lynn. Uh, I'm your host, Lynn Wedham. Uh, with me today is my guest, Marjorie Harris, and we're so excited to have her here um, telling us about how to get started uh, in our gardens um, this spring. We're having a few technical difficulties, so we're uh, waiting for Marjorie to um, hopefully to um, get back on the line here. Um, we're... Not sure just um just what's happening there, but we'll um 
we'll hope that we get Marjorie back on again because uh, it's been very interesting what we've been talking about, just um, what we can be doing um, to look at our gardens and see, uh, you know, where where we may want to do something so that things would look better um, at this time of year and and through the through the winter so she says that it's a very good time to be able to um, to see that and, and take some pictures because um, when everything is green and lush then it's a little bit more difficult to imagine um, what it may be at this time of uh, of the year um, one of the things I want to um, ask Marjorie about is a little bit more about she was she was speaking about um, about good soil and how important it is um, that we are very attentive to using good soil as well. And um, I saw on the on Facebook recently um, that we could test our soil's acidity um, if we mixed our soil with vinegar um, and if it bubbled when it was mixed with vinegar, then it was then our soil was alkaline. Um, and if if we mixed our soil with baking soda and then we got bubbled, then um, then the soil was actually acidic at that time. So um, I'm you know curious to uh, to ask Marjorie if that's actually um, up on my cell phone something that you can do. Hello. Are you? Hi, Marjorie. <laughs> I am now on a landline, which I guess is going to be a little more reliable. Okay. Okay. Super. Um, I was just telling our listeners I saw something on Facebook um, that said that you could test your soil by mixing it with vinegar or mixing it with baking soda. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that true? Yes, I, it is. Uh, I mean, if, if you if you try it with vinegar and it fizzes, you know that you've got an acidic soil. Um, and ditto with if nothing happens, um, you probably got a more neutral soil. I I find that I mainly look at soil with what's growing all around. For instance, if you know if you've got a lot of evergreens, you know you're going to have some acidic soil. The oh, okay. soil is going to be more acidic. Um, for instance, I live in, a, in an area that is really full of clay, and I watch people put ericaceous plants in there, things like rhododendrons and dahlias, and watch them just flounder for years and years and years before. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes 15 years to change the soil. So I always deal oh. with what I've got, and okay. usually it's somewhere in the middle. I, I mean, I'm not terribly fussy about all that sort of stuff. Okay. Hmm. Um, so if if your soil is acidic, like is is it ever too acidic to grow anything? Or oh God, you'd have to be you'd practice. Oh no no no. I I I think that you'd have to be in such an extreme place for it to be too acidic. But the thing is, if you're adding a lot of compost, you're hit, you're 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 feeding the soil while while it's it. it you know, while, while it's feeding the plants as well. And right. I, I believe in this so strongly that I just don't even think about any of that stuff anymore, particularly. Okay. I mean, I know that I can't grow a lot of ericaceous plants. Well, you make your peace with that. Okay. I'm a pretty laissez-faire gardener in, in many, many ways, and certainly with my own garden. Okay. So back to what we were talking about before the break, um, 
you spoke about you know the compost and and so um and you you mentioned the duck compost um oh so it's wonderful okay so, and and so that's really where we need to start when we go out to our garden we um you do to make sure that your 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 soil is in good shape i i would we always to all our gardens we add a lot of a a, a great whack of of duck compost in in the spring once the soil has warmed up a bit, and uh, I never, I never move the the leaves uh, off. I just clean up as best one can, and uh, then add a lot of uh, uh, compost because you, it's really easy to spread it around in the spring. Because you're, I mean, you can throw it everywhere. It doesn't matter if it lands on top of plants. Later on, you might get a little bit more fussy about it being on leaves and stuff. But if you do it early enough in the spring, you can toss it all over the place and save yourself a lot of time and energy. And mm. it's working almost immediately. Hmm, okay. Um, and if you've got any left over, throw it into your compost bin because it'll speed up what's going on in there. Right. So I guess if you have beds where you've put down... Um, uh, you know the landscape fabric and that kind of thing. That's not so good, is it? Well, I the only place I without... I think landscape fabric is another one of these things. It's very expensive. It's it's just it's fine if you have if you've got a, a, if you're trying to create a path, for instance. I I would put landscape fabric down just to hold back some of the um, uh, weeds and things that might come up. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, and then you put gravel and stuff on top of it, and, and it might hold it down. But you know, that's that's a chance. It, it falls apart, or it can hang around for too long. I, I I tend not to use it unless it's absolutely necessary. I don't know where would you use landscape fabric. <laughs> I've got a couple of beds out out the front where um, I use it around the the edge of them because the grass will come in very easily into those beds. So. Um, it, it helps me to not have to do so much digging. Yeah, that 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 can that can be useful. But as I say, I tend to uh, not use it because it's another one of those expenses that I don't care to have around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm i I have I use very very few utensils and I very use very few anything else's in my gardening, and it is an extremely lush and productive place. Um, I guess one of my challenges is we're we're in the country. We're on a, a twenty acre property, so we we have a large you know a large yard. I always mm -hmm. I used to say that you know when you live in town you can you can buy a, a maple tree and an evergreen and a tulip and you've landscaped. Yeah, pretty <laughs> when much. When, when you have a big yard, it's just you can bring in twenty trees and it just looks like you're just getting. Started. Well, I have I have a, a property that's uh, nineteen feet wide and one hundred and thirty. 40 feet deep and I put hundreds of trees in it and shrubs and and whatever and I just keep adding to the the density of the the planting every year and the more you can plant the the healthier ecology is going to be without you know jamming stuff together and and if you do it in layers 20 acres is something I'd just kill for to have that much space but, you know, with, with a country property, the smartest thing to do is to take very small bits at a time and work outwards. Okay, yeah. Creating, you know, you create scenes as you go, as you build. 
you know, framing various views. Um, there are lots of wonderful books, and not, not the least of which is, is Thrifty Gardening, on how to do this, how to, to break up spaces and make them more manageable. I mean, people get so intimidated by small spaces, by big spaces, by any spaces, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I know. I was, tell, I was trying to tell you a story about the, the importance of really good soil. Yes. I had a garden I was doing where they had to excavate it because it had been completely smashed up by, uh, it was just so full of crap from, from the renovation that it was not worth putting plants on, you know, soil on top of it. So they had it excavated, but they got a guy who gave them a really good deal on some soil. <laughs> and I just, they had to call us back in and we had to retrofit the soil. And that is really hard to do because every year we have to put masses and masses more more compost than ever. And then the garden next to it was done properly and everything is about five times the size. They, the oh. plants are much happier. They every every absolutely. If if there are similar plants in each garden, one is doing so much better than the other. And it, it, it by cut by being cheap about soil and compost and mulch, you are really really cheating the plants. So I always tell people that the most expensive part of new garden is going to be the prep with all of this all of this. And the plants are the last part, and they're the cheapest. When, so the soil that they brought in that wasn't good, like what was wrong with it? Was it clay? It's just, it, oh, it was just some sort of, you know, some crap that they picked up. Uh, it, felt, it looked like it was a, something they'd gotten in, just in a, in a pile of heap. It wasn't properly, it, it just wasn't loamy. It didn't look beautiful. It didn't smell beautiful. It didn't feel beautiful. Really good soil is just a pleasure to touch. Mm. It smells wonderful. This is just dirt. And um, we had, I, as I say, it just didn't have enough um, organic matter in it, didn't have enough sand in it for our, and I suspect it had a lot of peat in it. We have um, clay soil here, so peat moss just turns into cement. That's okay. the other thing that bothers me that, that's going on, a lot, that, that happens all the time, is that the mowers and blowers will come around, probably not out in the country, but certainly they do in the city. And they they have their great big bags of peat moss saying that they're going to fertilize the soil. And boy, you see that coming at you and you want to get rid of them immediately because it will not fertilize the soil. Ah, okay. Uh, so are you talking about like, like grass clippings at that Grass clippings are fine, but I mean I've, I've watched these these landscapery types, gardeners so-called, um, just tossing uh, peat moss around on top of grass, which of course oh. it's well, it's a sterile medium. It's, it needs to be moisture. It's going to suck just absolutely wick soil, the moisture out of the soil. Okay, okay, um, okay. So we have we've. We've spent um, as much as we can then on our soil, and we've got it mixed with compost. Compo- um, we top rest with compost, yes. Yes. And, and then, then once you've planted, it should be mulched properly. Now, I, I'm, I happen to like a, a, a composted um, pine bark. It's whatever is is local to your area, but it should be compo- well composted, the mulch. And I don't buy that dyed stuff. It looks awful. You know, it's just right. one more thing. It really, really <laughs> it looks so fake. It looks yeah, wrong. Yeah, there's, there's, 
there's the very red, and now there's a very black too. Yes, what do you think about just, the black one. Oh, terrible! I mean, it, uh, <laughs> mulch should look like mulch. You like a, and like you a should light have brown. so many plants barely see it anyhow. Uh huh. Yeah, which which can take a while to. Oh, yeah, but over the years. But the the thing is, the mulch yeah. is going to get decent mulch. And if you get that horrible stuff that's, uh, that, you know, you know, it hasn't been finely milled, but that, that looks mm-hmm. like a city garden. Um, but, yeah, there's there's some with big chunks of, um, yeah. like big chunks of bark in it, kind of. Oh, it looks terrible. Or wood. It takes forever to break down. Yeah. yeah. And I think something uh, that's uh, more finely ground is easier to work with, too. Oh, so much easier. Looks better, so much easier to use. You know, ground-up leaves. Um, we happen to be to have a, a, a composting program, and they, have, and they will pick up our leaves, and then we get them back again. It's, it's terrific. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so are we ready for plants now? No, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, in, in our theoretical garden, yes, we are. Yes. But you let you let all of this settle for a couple of days and uh, give it a little okay. good water and make sure that the drainage is good and then start planting. Now, when you're planting, make sure that the uh, root systems have been uh, nicely soaked so that you're not just putting them into the the ground dry. This is a really big mistake. Just just soak them in a tub. Um, it's Fluff out the the uh, the root system, and make sure that you've got a large enough hole to fit everything, uh, and that the they should be placed in the soil at at ground level, so that you're not planting too deep and you're not planting too high. You just you know it's like the old Goldilocks syndrome, just just right, and make sure that you do you heel it down, you know you pat it down with your foot, your heel, your the part of your um, hand. This is for perennials. Now, with with um, trees, I, we we like to plant proud, which is means that you've got a really wide hole, and it's no deeper than the depth of your uh, root system, and it is slightly higher than the surface of the soil. So th- th- this means that the water runs away from the the plant and not into the roots where it could, you know, into the bark where it could root, uh, rot out. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's not what I would do with a tree. <laughs> I don't do it that way. Oh, it's, listen, it's the only way to plant a tree. Because okay. if you plant with huge, huge holes below the uh, the root system, once they hit, you know, once they go beyond that, that, um, that soil, everything's going to change for them. So the thing to do is to plant, to make the, the, the hole wide enough. And, and then once you've planted everything, you uh, back... You know, filled it in. Uh, use use the native soil. Use the soil that you've taken out of the hole. Yeah. But if you don't make it wide enough, the roots haven't got the place to spread out their feeder systems. And uh, we always water for at least 45 minutes after we've, you know, just very very gently with the hose uh, after we plant something, and do and keep that up twice a week for until they're really well established. Okay, but what you said was it's important that the water not sit against the, I guess the trunk. Run tree. up against the bark. I mean, you see people having, um, making holes for trees and dumping the trees into the hole and just 
filling them up. Well, if the water is all going towards the bark, it shouldn't do that. It should go towards the, the root system. It should run away from the, from the, the skirt of the tree. Okay. Um, you mentioned something there, um, you know, to check our drainage before we even got planting. What if our drainage is poor then? Are we needing to add more compost or sand or something? Yeah, I would add a lot of compost. And, and I mean, if, if, you, if you've got a lot of paper that you've been grinding up, things like that, anything that's organic that's going to break down uh, fairly quickly. Uh, sand can be helpful. If it's really, really uh, clayy, I, I, would, uh, we, I would dig things up as much as you can and add a lot of organic matter. Okay. Um, so what about vegetables? Do you work um, any vegetables into the landscape? Um, you know, Most people are doing that these days. I don't have enough sun in my own garden, but when I have a sunny garden, I like to add some kale. There's some oh, there's some wonderful um, seeds that have, are coming out this year. I've just got a, a thing of seeds right in front of me. It's a Tuscany baby leaf kale. Now I'm going to give this a whirl in my own garden because it, it usually takes at least six hours of sun a day to to grow vegetables successfully. And I'm going to find a little sunny spot for this stuff because I love kale. Yeah, yeah. It would be great in a in a window box or in in, in a container on a balcony. Front right. garden. There are a lot of front garden uh, vegetable gardens uh, I'm seeing all around me uh, now. I think it's a really, really good idea as long as you're not near a parking lot or where people are going to leave their cars running. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. They're, they're sending out pollutants into the air and the pollutants are going to go everywhere in every direction and right on top of your your vegetables. Yeah. Well, it would be something to think about in the city for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'd yeah, think about it in yeah. the country too if I was next to a gravel pit. Right. Well, yeah, just the dust and everything coming The dust of, and the pollutants from yeah. the trucks and everything. I mean, you've got to take, you can't garden in a vacuum. You've got to be, have a whole feeling for the whole neighborhood, whatever your neighborhood may be with. It's 20 acres next to, you know, an airstrip. You'd think of things in a very, very different way than you would for half an acre in the middle of the city. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I'm always thinking that, you know, bits of land that we have, uh, you know, it's too bad we aren't growing more uh, more food on. Um, oh, God, when you, when you look at it, all sorts yeah. of strips. They, they're called orphan spaces in this city. And um, there are, I mean, God, there are all sorts of places in back alleys that... We're doing a garden, we're installing a garden, or we will be in a few weeks. And in the back alley, there is the most perfect place to put herbs, some vegetables. And uh, so we're going to take that, and we're hoping it's going to influence everybody else along the, in that alley to add their own mm-hmm. bits and pieces to this urban landscape. I mean, it's yeah. just rooftops should be, absolutely. Now, they've yeah. changed rules yeah. in various parts of the world, in Germany and in France. New buildings cannot have roofs without a rooftop garden. And I just oh, think that's really? a brilliant idea. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. 
And I and I know they've you know in some um, areas of inner cities they've uh, you know they've added gardens and it has changed the you know it's it's that having people working in the gardens and and oh. taking pride in the gardens and it absolutely it's it's, um, it's changed people's lives in in some absolutely. of absolutely and I mean it, this should be going on and all all through social housing. And and it should yeah. be a community effort. Uh, where they they they've had a hugely successful one here in a in a high rise building, where they they they've used everything they can think of to grow vegetables in. And everybody who's got enough wheat grows vegetables, and then they share. It's terrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what about buying plants? What can you tell us about? Um uh, where should we well, buy the thing them is to have a really, really good idea of what you're going to go out and buy. Don't just go to a, uh, the way you would do a supermarket when you're hungry. Uh, <laughs> have a list. Make yeah. sure that okay. when you when you select the plants, really look at them carefully. You don't you don't pick the plant that's mostly in bloom. Have a good idea what it looks like and check it out on the internet or in books, what have you. And find one that looks like it's got a really nice solid. Uh, root system where the, mm-hmm. the the foliage is healthy, it isn't covered with blight or bugs or anything like that. And if it has, if it, if it, and don't necessarily pick one that's in bloom. I, I'm I'm all for growing things that are small and let them grow into what they should become, rather than having instant effect. And one of the things I do um, when I'm out with a shopping cart is I place things in the cart so that you can see how they're going to look together in the garden. Mm. So you're looking at textures, you're looking at the form of leaves, you're looking at the color of leaves, and maybe you're you're going to know what the color of the plants is like. So you you have this sort of beginning uh, of your garden design before you even leave the parking lot. Okay. One of the things that that I struggle with um, is having the right height of plants. Sometimes, you know, it it grows and then we know that we've put them in the wrong. <laughs> um, how do, how do we do a better job of planning for different heights of plants? And well, um, take the, read the tags, take them seriously. Uh, usually, the heights they suggest are a ten-year growth. Take that pretty seriously. So if something is going to go the six feet in ten years and you're putting it in a spot which will only take something that will grow three feet, then you're going to be in trouble. And it might look a little, you know, not perfect for a couple of years, but then it's worth it. Um, that's number one, read the tags. Number two, give the plants enough space so that you've got varying heights near each other. So that you're not leaving big gaps at the eye level, at the three or the five or six foot level, uh, and, and buy plants of different heights. Uh, okay. People seem to be very good about getting things that are very tall and very small, and forget that sort of medium <laughs> range. You want a layered I look. Yeah, yeah, I can certainly relate. We we once went into a a famous gardener's garden and couldn't shoot it because everything was about two feet tall, and it just looked stupid. (laughs) Garden designer, he wasn't, (laughs) but it was just one of those weird things. It's you either have an eye for this or you don't, and if you don't have an eye for it, 
you can save yourself a lot of money and a lot of aggregation down the road by hiring somebody who is good with being able to see a garden and be able to give you good garden advice. And this is the time to, to sign up for it because in about six weeks, the stampede will be on and everybody is going to be wanting help and they're going to want right. it now and they're going to have to line up. So I always say to people, I've, I've got a newsletter which is, just came out today and um, if, if anybody wants it, it's got a lot of really good advice about how to, how to hire um, um, a, a professional, who you need, when and what. And they just have to get oh. in touch with me. So if you just get in touch with okay. me at my MarjorieHarris.com, you'll see contact me and ask for the newsletter and I'll send it. Okay, I will, I will do that. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, an excellent... Yeah, cause, I mean, and the thing is that there, there are so many garden scams that, you know, you have to be very, very careful. So you, before you hire somebody, really know who they are, what they do, have a look at what they've done before, have, you know, see, ask for pictures. And if, right. they, if they are going to put peat moss around in your garden, don't hire them. And, uh, I mean, there, there are a whole bunch of things going on, uh, that are just crazy. And it's because nobody, nobody necessarily has to have a degree to become a gardener. And if, if you've got a truck and say, you know, you're a gardener, and you've got a big, uh-huh. big mower and you've got a blower, <coughs> people are, tend to take fairly seriously. Whereas a real gardener has a towel and a shovel. Doesn't necessarily need to have a big truck and a lot of fancy equipment, but they've got to have an eye and a real passion for plants. And uh, you can only find that out by talking about them, talking about what they feel about plants, what kind of plants they like. Are you on the same page? You know, are you? Do you even have the same kind of aesthetic? Right. Um, yeah. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, when should people hire help? And this is it, uh, this time. This time of the year, okay. um, one if you if your if your garden is overwhelming, get somebody who uh, somebody good, who can just give you the tidying up it needs. You know the cutting back, the edging. Uh, these are all things I love to do myself, so I wouldn't ever hire anybody to do it. But sometimes you just you look at the garden and you think it's hopeless. Somebody comes in and does it, um, cleans up, and then adds some compost. And it looks great, and then you feel you ah right. I can I can. I can move ahead with this now. I can see what's there. That's very, very useful. And then if you've got things that really bother you, like a flood, uh, like standing water, um, you want to have a new path, you want, if you want to have small things done, you can, a, a garden designer or um, a, 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 a landscaper can probably handle everything. But if you want serious, you know, big retaining walls, and you're going to have to, you're getting into the landscape architecture land, and that's expensive. So you right. really, really want to check people out. Yeah. Um, my husband and I want to plant some maple trees. Should we do that in the spring, or should we do it in the fall? And I do it in the spring. Okay. And, and we, we, we find out the, the maples that really do well in your area. Okay. What area do you live in? Um, we're near Cambridge. We're sort of south um, southeast of Cambridge, Ontario. So you're you're near the Ontario Highlands. I mean, it, make sure that you get you've got you're putting them in a spot where they've got they're get well watered. 
Don't stick them way up on a hill or anything like that where their their root systems. I mean, with maples, they've got We don't have any these, hills. <laughs> you don't have any hills. Okay, there you no, go. We're, 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 I told you we're on the edge of the swamp. We're, it's, well, that's uh, right. We're, you we're did the, say that. I forgot that. Yeah, we're in the low, um, we're in the low spot. There are a lot. I mean, there in that area. There are lots of interesting uh, trees that you can plant. Have a look at the uh, the trees of the Carolinian forest. They're right on the edge there. Right. You could you could be planting Kentucky coffee trees. Um, some beautiful Never stuff. Never heard of it. What, what's a Kentucky oh, coffee tree? Oh, it's gorgeous. Like? There, there, there are books out on the uh, uh, Carolinian forest, and we're we're in southern Ontario. We're just at the edge of it. We're just at the lip, and of course, with with changing uh, weather patterns and whatnot. I, mean, I have a Kentucky coffee tree, a tulip tree, um, a silk fringe tree, uh, uh, lots of different uh, pawpaws. They grow. Um, and just just make sure that you're within that boundary, that zone. And have a look at the native stuff that you got there. Yeah. And don't um, don't I, just plant don't just plant maples. Do a mixed forest. Oh, that sounds great. That's exciting. That sounds yeah. Uh, because you you want to have you want to have enough for all the animals, all the bugs and the the good bugs and butterflies and whatnot. And and when for instance everybody's planting. Um, Milkweed. Make sure that you're planting the right kind mm-hmm. of milkweed for the butterflies. The right kind. Carnata, yeah. More than I didn't. No, know there are two kinds. One, kind. one is um, one is is just is a weed, and it just moves all over the place. But uh, Incarnata is the one you want. And go go to wildflowerfarms.ca. I think it's okay. .ca or .com. Anyway, Wildflower Farms. They they sell seeds, and they sell seeds to the right one. Because okay. there's going to be that's going to be another one of these scams that comes along. Yeah, uh, yeah. you got to be careful. Yeah, but but it is something that everybody should consider. This this um, absolutely. If you've got enough sun, you've got the space. Yeah. Yes. But well, uh, for instance, out at the Toronto Botanical Garden, they the, the the wrong kind of milkweed was put in, and it's just spread everywhere. They spend a lot really? of time having to. Damn stuff out, yes, really, uh, and it's it's, it's you've got to be careful with this. fooling around with nature is a very very tricky thing. It's it's not just uh, that simple little thing that people think it is. You know, if we yeah. take this out and put that back in. Yeah, I I grew up um, near Rondo Park, a little place called Ridgetown, Ontario, and um, yes, on near we, Lake Erie. We had, yes, yes, and. Um, and we had the tulip trees. Um, oh God, they're gorgeous there. They are, yeah, yeah. And, and no, I don't know if they'd grow that Park, well for you where you are, but they certainly grow in Toronto. And so they grow oh. on the environs of Toronto. I have a huge one in my backyard. And it's yeah. now being used as a city tree. As a what? It's city. now being used as a city tree. A city tree. Oh, city. the. the yeah, the the Tree. uh, tulip trees. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, they are they are beautiful. Um and and uh, you know, quite unique even though people you know, New Rondo Park was there, um you know, still even people in that area are not so familiar with the tulip tree. They really aren't they're hard to find. I'm doing a yeah. garden down there on Lake Erie and oh. we're having to look all over the place for these native plants and they grow there. Naturally, yeah. I mean, it's just Wild. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm hoping that as people get more, sorry, I'm having, I, I just had to have something sugary to eat. <laughs> so uh, I'm having well, something that's good. Yeah, well, um, I'm I'm keeping you going because we I wanted to get as much information from you, so we've kind of skipped through our I skipped through a lot of the breaks to uh, uh, so that we could get uh, learn as much from you as we can today. So uh, so that's what's happening. That's, my... why, that's why you didn't get your opportunity uh, uh, to uh, to to get a break. So um, you know. Is there something important that you want to be sure that we share with our listeners um, today? Make sure that you're planting native plants. And okay. don't just use exotics. Don't just use anything, one of anything. Think about what your space is. Make sure you know the, the light requirements of the plants that you're going to bring in because you're stuck with whatever light you got. You can't. You can recreate. I mean, you can make shade, but you, it's very hard to make sun without cutting down trees. Uh, and yes. so, if if you know this and know it well, find out. Do a little research. Find out what are the very best of the um, uh, garden-worthy native plants. Not all of them work well in gardens. Some of them are too aggressive. You can't just assume anything about a plant. Oh, well, it's native, it's fine. Not necessarily. And so a little research will help you a lot, a little bit of reading. There are some good magazines around, and there are, of course, excellent books. And, of course, the Internet is just a goldmine, but you have to be careful about the information there, where it comes from, and make sure it's from your area. Okay. Um and tell us a bit about your books, what in kinds of information people can find in them and where they can find your books. Well, they can get Thirsty Gardening, they can buy it directly from me or they can go to Indigo or places like that. Just demand it. It's called Thrifty Gardening from the Ground Up and it's published by House of Anansi. And it's, it covers, I think it's a really good little book. It covers a lot of the territory from whether you're living in a, uh, a, a small or large garden to balcony gardening. A lot of people are moving into to condominiums and they're, they've got tiny spaces to deal with. Well, the, the book handles all of that. It's full of good tips. That's great. Um, now, if people want to know more about your business or if they want to contact you, um, you mentioned the um, the newsletter, which I am going to uh, uh, make sure I get um, hooked up with that. Um, but how can people oh, reach Oh, great, you because with the new law, uh, you have to ask me for it. I can't say to you, I'll send it to you. You uh-huh. have to contact, go to MarjorieHarris.com. It says contact me and then just say I want the newsletter and I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, and would that, I, I guess people could contact you through the website as well? Yes, Is that the absolutely, best way? for sure. Yep. Okay, that would be the best way for my, you. My, uh, my email is in the, in the newsletter. Okay, that's great. Um, any final thoughts? Yes, I just hope that spring is going to happen very soon. I um, mm. I just I long for that day when you get up in the morning until five or six in the morning, and there's that lovely soft haze of green as things are just starting to furl out. I just every day I rush upstairs and look outside, and I'm waiting for the moment. It's it, it to me it is the most joyous time of year, and 
of course, it's that whole feeling of renewal, which is perfect at this time of year. Yeah, and I think it's, um, I think we're coming out of this long, cold winter that we've had, and I think that many of us are very anxious to, to oh, see a bit terribly. more sun. And, oh, it's just, um, we just, you know, we just really need that uh that sun just, you know, for our frame of mind and our sanity. We need, <laughs> we, we lose a little bit of it uh, February and, and especially when we've had a March like we've had, right? Yes, just, that, just a winter too long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carol um, has been, our producer was uh, very anxious to hear what you have to say. Um, I don't know if, if you saw her comment at the very beginning there. She said that, that you're like a rock star to her. I don't know <laughs> if you caught that. <laughs> no, I didn't get that. Uh, okay, tell her I the... appreciate that. If she could see <laughs> the way I dress, she'd think I was a rock star. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we thank you very much for uh, for joining us today, Marjorie. And there was so much that um, we filled the hour so very easily. There was so much for us to talk about um, that I would love to have you back to talk about uh, perhaps the the other book, the uh, the other thrifty book at some point. Okay. So, that was so. Thanks so much. Okay, you're welcome. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye, Marjorie. Um, bye bye. So, um, remember that you can always send me an email at StepRightWithLynn. Uh, I'm here to help. That's Lynn at StepRight, L-Y-N-N at S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Um, let's book a time to chat. Um, tell me about your financial goals, uh, and we'll, um, we'll make a plan to help you achieve them. So um, it, there's a, f- a free 30-minute uh, telephone consultation for you. Uh, just let me know when you'd like to do that. Um, I'd like to remind you to tune in next week uh, when I'll be chatting with psychotherapist and psychiatrist Daniel Benor on the topic of your most important investment, an investment in your health. So we look forward to speaking with uh, Daniel next week. Uh, Remember, I welcome your comments at Step Right with Lynn. Send me that email. Be glad to chat with you. This is Lynn Wedham. The show is Step Right with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on A to Zen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something.